It was a long time ago, even for one who is immortal, but I remember it well, tinged with regret and sorrow. We were an odd confederation, an Amazon queen, a Norse prince, one from the desert who was practically a god, even an elemental. It seems the heroes of each era inevitably find themselves drawn together. History shows us it happens again and again. The present is always rooted in the past. We came together because there was no other choice. Who else could have faced a threat like the Frost King unleashed? But there is a season to everything. I was naive to think our deeds then, the choices we made, would not come back to haunt the world. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muck men, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode 19, Endless Winter Crossover, and Swamp Thing Future State. Well, hello there, time travelers. It's me, Ben. Ben Avery. Welcome to the Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, and this is a podcast where I'm going to talk about Swamp Monsters in comics, and there's actually been quite a bit of movement in the Swamp Monsters sub-niche within the horror genre of the comic book medium. Uh, I actually recorded this episode once before already uh, talking about Endless Winter, but then some things happened. I got a package in the mail. And then I found out that uh, there was a comic book that was going to be in comic shops on Wednesday that was a Swamp Thing comic book. And then I saw some news that was happening. And so I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and redo the the whole thing. I'm not just going to add in information about these other things that I didn't record about when I just recorded about Endless Winter. I'm going to go ahead and start from scratch and just let things flow naturally and talk about these things one by one. And I am so excited. There's there's just been a lot of fun stuff happening in the Swamp Monster world, particularly Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Now, I guess I'll start with the news. And I might have already talked about one bit of news already. And that was that Swamp Thing is getting a two-issue miniseries in the future state stuff that DC is doing here in January and February. But now I've found out, and I might have already talked about this as well, there's a 10-issue maxi-series coming out starting in March. A Swamp Thing 10-issue maxi-series. Okay, so I, I think I might have mentioned that before at some point in time in the comic book time machine. But... Here's the other big news. There is a three-issue Man-Thing miniseries that is coming out, I believe, starting in March. Let me make sure and check. And no, it's April, okay? But this three-issue Man-Thing series is coming out to uh, commemorate the 50th anniversary of the first Man-Thing story printed in that Savage Tales magazine way back in 19. 19- 71. So this three-issue miniseries called Curse of the Man-Thing is actually going to uh, come out in March. And so you'll have January and February is Swamp Thing, Future State tie-ins. And then in March, there'll be Man-Thing, Curse of the Man-Thing, uh, Avengers. And then in 
April, I believe it's going to be monthly. In April, it'll be Curse of the Man Thing, Spider Man. And then in January, February, March, April, May, in May, it'll be Curse of the Man Thing, X Men, three issues with Man Thing uh, to commemorate that anniversary. Uh, Swamp Thing, like I said, will be in April. And so you'll have for a couple months uh, Swamp Thing and Man Thing on the shelf together in their own titles, just like it was back in the beginning. And so speaking of the beginning, uh, I do have plans to read along as if I was following along with the Man Thing comics uh, from 50 years ago. And so that means I'll be skipping some months here because Man Thing uh, appeared in Savage Tales number one, covered it was May 1971, but the release date the on-sale date was January 19th, 1971, and so I'm recording this a couple weeks before that, or a week and a half before that, or whatever, but on January 19th, I plan to read and do a read-through of Man-Thing using my Marvel Omnibus edition of Man-Thing because I have packed away my actual Man-Thing comics, and honestly, I don't think I ever had, I'm positive I never had the Savage Tales magazine, I'm I would remember if I had this, this Savage Tales magazine. I, I have a feeling that it would be a little bit out of my price range. But I've had editions. Uh, I actually, yeah, no, the way I originally read that story would have been in the Marvel Essential Man-Thing volume that I had, which was a black and white reprint of the Man-Thing comics. And so I actually would have uh, read it that way. And I do have then this omnibus of Steve Gerber and Chris Claremont's runs on man thing. Now that was one uh, little surprise that kind of came out of nowhere. I, I, I guess they started mentioning this last month, but I had no idea that this was coming. And so I'm very excited, very excited about that. The other thing I was not expecting, I had forgotten I ordered this, is Back Issue Magazine, issue number 124, the December 2020 issue, arrived a couple days ago or a few days ago, and cover image, he, he what can I say, he's a cover guy, <laughs> was Man-Thing. Now, the timing really can't be a coincidence, but this whole issue is dedicated to horror heroes. And so there are actually two articles about Man-Thing in this. One is about his first run and his, and then the other one is about the, the second run. And then there's also some stuff about the Atlas heroes or Atlas comics uh, horror characters. And then the Harvey comics horror characters, uh, but not like the scary horror stuff. Although some of these covers look interestingly scary, but actually like Richie Rich and Casper. And apparently they had some anthology style stories that were meant to be more of a kitty horror kind of thing. Now, I had one Casper comic growing up. It was given to me by someone on the playground. It was an older kid who kind of befriended me. And I that was that was fun, you know, to have an older kid who actually spent time and paid attention to me. Um, unfortunately, I I don't, I don't even know who this guy is, you know, but uh, now but before the end of the school year, when he would have graduated and gone to the next, uh, to the middle school, uh, he gave me this, this Casper digest. And that's really my biggest Casper experience was just having that comic with a bunch of, of stories in it. But anyway, uh, that's one of the articles here is about these horror stories that feature Richie Rich and Casper, maybe as characters, maybe as hosts. I don't know. 
Uh, there's also an article about the creeper, which I haven't read yet, and an article about the ghost writer in the 1990s. I did read the two articles about the two different runs on Man Thing, which one was basically the Steve Gerber run, uh, which is that original adventure into fear, and then this first Man Thing series, and then the next one was the what was essentially the Chris Claremont run where he took on, I think he took it on in issue three or around in there. But both of these articles were really interesting. There was some interesting information that came out of that information that I don't remember knowing. Uh, it's from apparently from an interview that was in the Swamp Men edition uh, from the same company, Tomorrow's uh, comic book creator was a more of a in-depth magazine style thing. And they actually did a book length book called Swamp Men, which is really, really good. And it covers a lot of different things with just swamp things in general. Uh, swamp swamp thing, man thing, the heap, uh, the anthology horror comics of the 70s and, and earlier, and just kind of even going back to the Theodore Sturgeon It story, which was adapted into a, a Marvel comic and is a great, great story, especially when you look at it as kind of the genesis of swamp th monsters in general. In fact, if you go back to the Swamp Things feed, the first episode that I did about swamp monsters and all that stuff that I'm doing was about that that particular comic. So anyway, this book is is a great book and a great resource and this story that I maybe missed, I I read cover to cover the Swamp Men thing, but I also read it pretty quickly. I mean, I devoured that book and it's a good book because it has different chapters and different interviews and it's easy to pick up and put down and, and read just what you want to. But I, I read it cover to cover when I first sat down with it. They mentioned that when they first started with Adventure to Fear with the man thing and Steve Gerber got the assignment to do it. He was he did one story and and then he actually got a chance to sit down with Len Wein, who was writing Swamp Thing at the time, and, and Len Wein had actually gotten a little bit of a head start, and so Len Wein actually kind of knew what was going on with what he had planned to do with Swamp Thing, and uh, Steve Gerber said, well, hey, have you already kind of figured out what you, what kind of stories you're going to tell with, with Swamp Thing? And Len Wein said, yes, I, I have, and Steve Gerber said, can you please tell me so that I don't do the same thing because I haven't started yet. And so they were able to really chart two different courses with these characters. Of course, the characters are very different in the sense that Swamp Thing is a character and Man Thing is really more of a catalyst. You know, Swamp Thing goes around and actually does things in his stories and Man Thing goes around and is there for the story, sometimes pushing the story forward, sometimes helping the story come to a conclusion, and sometimes causing the story to happen. But but Man Thing is a storytelling engine, whereas Swamp Thing is a character who has his own uh, agency. Uh, Man Thing really doesn't have have that much. So anyway, this back issue magazine came, and then the other thing that was a pleasant surprise to me is I hadn't looked at the calendar to see when the future state comics were all coming out. I just knew that this month that the Swamp Thing from the Future State series was going to happen this month, and there'd be one this week and one or one this month rather, and one next month. So I went ahead and recorded that Endless Winter thing, and then like the next day or the 
either the next day I saw this, the, the Swamp Thing future state was coming or the next day was Wednesday. I can't remember now when I actually sat down to record this episode, but I saw Swamp Thing future state in stores and that was also a nice surprise. So three nice surprises and then a fourth nice surprise if you don't want to put them all in the same week. A fourth nice surprise was Endless Winter itself. And so I'm going to start uh, my review, I guess, for this episode talking about Endless Winter. So just to give you an overview of what Endless Winter was, Endless Winter is a crossover that is in some ways, uh, I won't say meaningless, but not important. However, it is very important to me. And I'll get to that in a moment. When I say it's not important, I mean in the grand scheme of things. This isn't death metal or deceased or whatever. I don't even know if there's any other current crossovers right now, but whatever Marvel's doing, this is not that. This is not something that's going to shatter the universe or bring the universes together. This is not a crossover where they are just going to rewrite continuity or where they're going to do you know, earth shattering things where they kill off characters and, and that sort of thing. This is just a crossover that tells a story. And that's why it's important to me, because when you get to the end of Endless Winter, which goes through the Flash, it goes through Justice League, Justice League Dark. It goes through, well, it has a special with Black Adam, it has a special with Superman. It doesn't go into the Superman uh series itself it does uh cross over with aquaman and so it does interrupt the aquaman uh ongoing series it does all of that and if you're reading those series which i'm not um, it might be disruptive in that sense but for me it was a single story it had a beginning a middle and an end and i really really appreciated that and so I was going to buy this anyway because I had seen some material for it and it showed a Viking-ish Swamp Thing. And I thought, okay, I guess I'm getting this because it has Swamp Thing in it and there's not much going on with Swamp Thing right now. This was before I knew what was going to be happening with like Future State and, and now the new 10-issue Maxi series and that sort of thing. I didn't know what was going on with that. But I saw this and thought, I'm, I'm going to get this. I look closer and I realize, oh, this is actually crossing over with Justice League Dark, which I was reading monthly. Well, no, I was buying monthly, but not reading monthly. And so when I realized that this crossed over with Justice League Dark, I did actually decide, you know what? I just need to gather up all those issues that I've bought and I need to just sit down and read them. And so over the course of, I don't know, a few, few days to a, a week or two, I can't remember how long it took me, but I would read a couple issues a day. And I read through all the issues I had not read yet from Justice League Dark, which side note, mini review, Justice League Dark is a pretty decent series. And the way that it ended, unless you include this endless winter issue, but it really takes it to a nice conclusion. 29 issues or 28, including, well, 29 if you include the endless winter issue that, that's involved. But it's it's a pretty good series and I really enjoyed it. I guess it's more than that because they did have their own witching hour crossover, which crossed over into wonder woman and had some, some one shots and stuff like that. But 
not a big enough crossover to really burn me. I've been burned before by crossovers, and I might have mentioned this before, but the Hulk, I really, really was excited when Planet Hulk happened. And so I actually bought the comics leading up into Planet Hulk because this was going to be a big thing happening within that series of The Incredible Hulk. And it was. And Greg Pak said it was a trilogy of big stories that he really wanted to tell. And and it was. There was Planet Hulk. And then I can't remember what the one was in the middle there. I think it might have been... Uh, World War Hulk. No, World War Hulk was the third part. And that's what burned me is I was all in with the Hulk. And then I realized, oh, if I'm going to be all in with World War Hulk, I am. Ooh, this is going to be a lot more comic than I expected. And I bought all of the miniseries. I bought all of the, the tie-ins. I bought it all. I got it all. I got Hulk versus X-Men. I got the damage control miniseries. I got the, the, daily bugle series that they did i did it all and it burned me because it was just a lot of money and i felt cheated and in fact now that i think about it that might have been the second part i might have gone through like all the planet hulk stuff and then that might have been the second part i don't know if there was a third part then if that's the case because i dropped it after that I dropped it. I actually had them all in a box in my closet. And I actually finally sold that just a a year ago because I wasn't going to go back and read it again. And it just kind of brought back those feelings of being, being used, you know? And so that was with this endless winter thing. I realized that this is, this is not like that. This isn't like death metal where it has like all different series and one shots and stuff. It, It was just its own thing. And so the fact that it was a self-contained crossover, the fact that it had Swamp Thing, the fact that it was crossing over with a series that I was buying, I was in. I was in without knowing what to expect. Now, what I found out as I was reading was, I think I got into chapter three or four, or maybe it was even as late as five or six out of, out of nine. I realized this felt really cohesive. It felt like, a singular entity, a singular story. That's when I looked and saw the credits. There are two people writing this crossover. It's uh, Andy Lanning and Ron Mars. And these two people wrote the entire thing. Now, I almost wonder, because there's flashbacks to the Viking days, and then there's present day stuff that goes on. I almost wonder if one of them took the flashbacks and one of them took the present day stuff. I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask them. I'm sure there's probably an interview somewhere where they answer that question. But the fact that you actually have one central creative team working on this crossover. So even when the Flash comic is chapter, I can't remember now. I'll take a look here. Flash comic, I think with chapter two or three. Yeah, it's chapter two. That Flash comic is interrupted. And the regular team, uh, I'm not sure about the art team, but the writing team on this, they are taking a break because <laughs> these two guys are coming in. Same thing happens with, uh, let's see, Aquaman, Justice League. The same thing happens with Justice League Dark. Now, the specials, you would expect that because they are one-offs. But the fact that they actually got to do the chapters within these other series makes it, I think, work much, much better. Now, what is Endless Winter? Endless Winter is a, a series. It starts with Justice League Endless Winter number two. 
chapter two goes into the flash number 767, which is a uh, regular price comic. Uh, the endless winter chapter one is 499 flash is 399. There's an endless winter part three, which is Superman special. There's endless winter part four, which is Aquaman number 66, still regular cover price, which is 399. I know it, it's an expensive, even if you're just doing this, it is still a pretty expensive prospect. And so I have a friend, well, Evan, um, Evan is planning to read this series, but he's going to read this series uh, when it comes out on, on DC universe or whatever that is, or if he makes it over here, he'll, he'll borrow it from me. So endless winter chapter five is justice league number 58. Endless winter chapter six is teen Titans special, which introduces a new character to the teen Titans roster. Justice League Dark number 29 is Endless Winter Part 7, which I have two copies of, and I'll maybe get into that, <laughs> that story a little bit later. And then Endless Winter Part 8 is Black Adam Special, number one. And then Endless Winter Chapter 9 is Justice League Endless Winter Issue number two. And these, these uh, nine issues were released over the course of about five weeks. And so there was one week where there were, I think, three of them, and... Yeah, I, I did buy accidentally two copies of Justice League Dark number 29. It was in my pull box and I wasn't paying attention when they handed it to me. And so I didn't realize that there were two different uh, covers of the same issue. And when I got it home, I was looking at it and thinking, actually, I like both of these covers. I don't know if I would have which one I would have chosen. And since I had them both, I don't have to choose. <laughs> so so there is that. And those actually are the covers that I would use when I'm talking about a swamp monster story. My judgment comes from the three C's, which is cover content and creature. And the question above content is, is it a good story? The question of the creature is, is it a cool creature or a cool iteration of a creature? So if it's, you know, a man thing story or a swamp thing story, it's, do I like the characterization of the character that I'm familiar with? And if it's a, you know, short story in a, an anthology horror comic, the question would be, is the creature cool in this one standalone story? And then there's the cover. And the cover, the question I ask about the cover is, is it poster worthy? Is it something that if I had room, uh, would I hang it on my wall? And the answer to that is for Justice League number 29, uh, the variant cover, maybe except that it's Swamp Thing looking super tough. And he has a Viking cape and Viking wings off of his uh, head. He's not wearing a helmet, but it is the kind of thing that those wings would be swooping off of a helmet, uh, <laughs> German opera style. And he's holding a giant battle axe and that's cool. But then you have Wonder Woman in front of him and she's wearing her winter armor, which is actually armor that was given to her by Hippolyta, which I'm going to say that name wrong every single time I say it probably. So please just bear with me. And she looks really cool. But then you have Zatanna, who's just in her regular costume. And that's the one that kind of ruins it for me a little bit to make it not quite poster worthy. Now, the regular cover is also pretty cool. You've got those same people on there. And then you also have Detective Chimp and Dr. Fate. And there's snow sweeping over them. It looks like maybe a landslide kind of thing. And the snow is sweeping over Dr. Fate. He looks really worried. His his helmet has really worried eyes. Uh, Detective Chimp looks really scared. Uh, you have... Wonder Woman and Zatanna, they both look like they're being overwhelmed by the snow. And Swamp Thing has his axe that 
looks really cool. Actually, the axe looks like it's something he has created from his body. It has vines and stuff over it. And, but he's wearing the same cape and he's wearing this, he's got the same ear thing going on. And I'm not going to give away why he looks like this, but this is his present day Viking look. He also has a, uh, Viking era look that he's, he's got going on. And that's because that's the swamp thing of that era. And that's one of the things that's kind of fun about this. If I'm going to judge the creature in endless winter, it's that we get a couple different swamp things here and we get this modern Viking swamp thing. And we have that Viking era swamp thing. And so I don't want to spoil the story because I do recommend the story. I think it's a great crossover event. This is the kind of crossover event that I would want to encourage. And, and obviously I have no voice with the people who are at DC. I'm 100% sure that they don't listen to this podcast, but I really was hoping that I could recommend and say, go and find this when it's collected in a collected edition. I think it'd be great in a collected edition because it is one story written by these two guys. Unfortunately, I haven't seen anything to say that they're doing that. I don't know when or if they're going to do that. And so uh, the only way I can recommend it is to go and buy these individual issues. Or wait, like like Evan's planning to do and, and read it digitally. Uh, but what's great about this, like I said, is there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. What's fun about this is that there are two storylines that are happening at the same time dealing with this same villain. So again, don't want to give away too much, but I do want to tell you a little bit about the setup here is you have the Frost King has come to life in present day. And some of the origin story stuff about how he comes to life in present day has to do with Superman and his fortress of solitude. And the, you know, he's moved it and there was some Kryptonian crystals left behind. And this allows the frost King to be a little bit more powerful than he would have been. Although he was pretty powerful in the past already, but he is causing because of this extra power that he has, he is causing an endless winter. And at one point I was reading along and I heard, or I shouldn't say I heard, I read someone say, and so this endless winter has been happening. And I just couldn't help, but think about the, the mystery science theater guys, whenever that would happen. And we have a title. <laughs> and so that was just ringing in my ears, which it's okay. It's okay. They, they do call it the endless winter then, but it's actually covering the globe. And it's causing serious problems, causing Flash to have uh, issues with his powers. Batman has to wear a uh, cool winter suit that he has. Um, Wonder Woman, I said, got a new suit, but that's actually not because she needed it. It's just because it's it's kind of cool. Uh, so anyway, you have the Justice League running around and taking care of things. And this actually is one of those things where it's nice that they're doing this style of crossover with it. Because this is one of those stories where you would say, if this was just a Flash story or just an Aquaman story, you'd be asking, where's the Justice League? This is a worldwide event that's causing trouble all over the world. Where is the Justice League? And we don't have to ask that question. Why? Because the Justice League is a part of the crossover. And it's all about superheroes doing their thing, having the Justice League doing their thing around the world. Teen Titans is an opportunity to see a pocket of heroes in a singular space dealing with things. Aquaman, there's some really cool stuff going on with Aquaman where he does his thing in his issue. And then in the final chapter, I forgot all about Aquaman. And then he shows up and it is an 
awesome, awesome Aquaman moment. I loved it. And it was so exciting because I'd forgotten all about what was going on with him and his issue. And, and so when he showed up, I was like, I probably should have known this was going to happen. And actually thinking about it now, I probably did know that that was going to happen by reading the Aquaman comic because I've read stories before and, and that's the kind of thing that happens, but I completely forgot about him completely forgot about it. And so when it happened, I guess it helps that there was three weeks or four weeks in between reading the Aquaman chapter and the final chapter. But when it happened, it was a cheering moment. If I was the type of person who would cheer, uh, but I'm not, especially when I'm reading by myself alone in my room. <laughs> so I, I didn't cheer, but it was a definitely a cheer worthy moment. And so you have that stuff going on in the present day. And then you have things going on in the past where it's, a Justice League of the Viking Viking era. You have Viking Prince, you have Hippolyta, and you have the Swamp Thing of that era. And then you have them go to Egypt to release Black Adam so he can help them. You have those four people kind of create a team. And so that's actually where the opening credit uh, quote that I used for this episode, that's where that comes from, is, is the idea of these four people who are forming this team because it just, you know, when you have people with powers, they tend to gravitate to each other and work together in every era. And so it was cool to see the Swamp Thing of that time. It was cool to see them take care of the problem. It was cool to see them try and do the right thing to take care of the problem, but they're working with Black Adam. So, yeah, there are things that come up that cause problems that have ripples later on in history to the present day. And so then it's a matter of figuring out how do we take care of this Frost King and Hippolyta, of course, is still around and they do some different things uh, to bring in some of the other elements from that original team. And there's another really just cool moment that happens with Swamp Thing in the modern day, which again, I don't want to give it away, but it was really, really neat. And it has to do with, I mean, the, the, the images you're going to see on the cover of this comic, it was, it was really cool and just a great Swamp Thing moment. So as I'm talking about the content, first of all, I guess let's go back to the creature. You have the Swamp Thing of the present day and the Swamp Thing of the past thumbs up the cover is a poster worthy and eh, thumbs sideways it's not bad it's not something i actually would hang up but it's a, it's a good image but then you have the content and the story that's going on here what's really neat about the story is it's not just all about punchy punch it's not just all about we have to punch the bad guy until they stop it's not just finding the creative way to, if it's not punching the bad guy, it's melting the bad guy or whatever it might be. They actually are trying to deal with the bad guy because the bad guy is a guy. He's a, when I say guy, I don't mean, it doesn't matter that he's male. He's the Frost King. Yes, he is male. What I mean is he's a person. He's a person. And so the bad guy is an actual human being or was an actual human being. Now he's more than that. He's superhuman, but he has reasons for feeling the way he does. And they actually work at both in the past and in the present work at figuring out, well, what are these reasons? And is there something else we can do that doesn't involve punchy punchy? Not because it's comics. Of course, it's going to involve some punchy punchy, maybe even a lot of punchy punchy, but it is a very clever story and I really appreciated that the story was about these superheroes working at being 
heroes, where they're not just trying to shut down the bad guy, but actually, in some senses, be a hero to the bad guy. And the resolution at the end, it does get wrapped up with a nice tidy bow. And some people might say it's a little bit too clean of a nice and tidy bow. But that's okay, because this this is a graphic novel. This is a beginning, middle, and end. And even as the story goes through and kind of cuts through the DC universe, and just like other crossovers that I've talked about where I really enjoy like uh, Secret Wars 2. I enjoy that because every chapter, every issue of Secret Wars 2 then has three other issues that month. That's a crossover stuff. If you're reading it at the time and I have a friend, my, my friend Steve, my so Evan and Steve are both from Strangers and Aliens podcast. He hated it because it interrupted the regular flow of the issues he was reading. But me now... What, 30 years later? <laughs> I love it because it gives you a cross-section of what's going on in the Marvel Universe at that time. The same kind of thing is happening here, where you go into the Flash issue, and it does mention a couple things that are going on in his life that you may not have all of the, the, the nitty-gritty details if you don't read Flash. But if you know the character, that's all you really need to know to really appreciate what's going on in the Flash and then the same thing with Aquaman and Superman and, and all those characters. You're, you're getting this kind of crossover. Well, it is a crossover. It's not kind of crossover. This cross-section. That's the word I'm looking for. You're getting this cross-section of the DC Universe, at least the Justice League portion of the DC Universe. And you're seeing, oh, this is where Aquaman is in his life right now. But again, doesn't matter to this story. It matters to the people who are following Aquaman and, and you're still seeing some of those details come up. Anyway, I could gush about this for a very, very long time. And actually looking at my timeline, uh, when I first recorded about this, I did gush about it a lot, <laughs> a lot longer than I am right now. And I think actually it's kind of nice maybe to get this, give this a little bit more of a refinement, but endless winter highly recommend. It's a lot of fun. And it's just it was fun for me to read a good story with characters that I like and I don't have to worry about hundreds of issues or dozens of issues of continuity to really know what was going on. So that is Endless Winter. That is uh, finished up at the end of December. It also uh, in some ways is a Christmas story. It does start out in the first issue. Uh, Flash visits Black Lightning and they are putting up the Christmas tree. And at the end, uh, there's an invitation to to join for Christmas. Uh, so yes, this could be considered a Christmas story. This will not go into my Christmas comics stack that I can't find right now because I think I packed it away. Uh, no, this will stick with my uh, Justice League Dark stack, and this will go into my, my Swamp Thing boxes. So let's go into the other Swamp Thing comic that came out just this week and that is future state now future state i'm not real clear on what's going on with all of the other future state things i know that there's different time periods that might be addressed in those future state comics i know that the new wonder woman who is going to be introduced in future state is actually already been greenlit for a cw tv show before she even appeared in comics but uh the one that I cared about the most is Swamp Thing, and there's only two issues. And this is 
fantastic in the sense that we're going to get a two-issue story that is 3,000 years in the future, maybe. I don't know. It's way in the future. Humanity is nowhere to be seen, and all you have is Swamp Thing in this kind of Shakespearean... That's the vibe, anyway, that I get. Uh, atmosphere. And when I say Shakespearean, I mean you have Swamp Thing and he has his own fool. And it just really reminded me of the fool from from King Lear. But then the rest of his crew reminded me a lot of Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, and it just there was just this interesting thing going on there where you have Swamp Thing and these other plant people that he's created. And they are actually looking for humans and looking for humanity. And again, I don't want to talk too much about about uh, the plot. Although that is to say, there isn't much of a plot going on right now. This is kind of set up for a big twist at the end. There's a big reveal at the end as they're looking for other people on Earth. And the Earth is just overrun with plants. You know, Endless Winter had the Earth overrun with, with snow. But this was not at all what I expected. When I heard about this, I expected this to be about freedom fighters trying to take down a swamp thing who was who had taken over the world. That's the way I, I kind of felt like it was being sold to me. But it's not. It's not. It might be next issue. I don't know. This really did stick with Swamp Thing. And when I heard that it was about that, I was a little worried. I was I was not looking forward to a comic where like the final splash page of this issue would be those freedom fighters who they've seen traces of Swamp Thing here and there. And, and then they finally arrive and there he is sitting on his throne in this final splash page. And he says, welcome, you should have never come or something like that. That's the kind of thing I was expecting. And instead, you actually get this character study of Swamp Thing where he's talking about how he brought these other creatures to life and dealing with all of their different personalities. And they aren't all just mindless. They aren't just thralls for him. They have personality. And it might be the kind of thing where we find out that they're all just aspects of his personality and part of him. I don't think that's where it's going, but it'll be interesting to see where this, where this does go. It was, it was a lot of fun and I'm very excited to read the second issue. Let's talk about creature content cover creature. As far as the characterization of swamp thing, this is nice to see swamp thing in a few thousand years. And my impression is this is not the swamp thing of that age, but it actually is Alec Holland. That's the impression that I get. I might be wrong when I, I might've read something wrong. Um, there's nothing that says it's him. It's just, like I said, the impression that I get the content. Uh, I already talked about how it introduces these new swamp creatures that are kind of his tribe and he is their chief or maybe their God. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's a tribe. It's a family. It's a team. You know, they're, they're together and they're roaming the world looking for humans. And he's reaching out to the trees to see if they have any, um, any trace of humanity and, and they're not able to find any, but they they know that humans do live somewhere on, on the earth. And so they're just moving around from, from place to place. And so Anyway, that the story's great. The creature characterization 
I, I enjoyed seeing him in the future. The cover is a Statue of Liberty, but it's got Swamp Thing's face and it has a bunch of tree-like horns spread out on his forehead in the same way that uh, the Statue of Liberty has that crown kind of thing. Uh, and then he's holding a, a tablet. I don't know what the tablet says and also a torch, but it's all green and it's all got vines or I guess if those are vines, they're pretty huge vines because that's a, a big statue that he's emulating there. But it's it's a cool cover. It is a cool image. Would I hang it on my wall? It would not be my first choice. I've uh, seen a lot of much cooler covers that I would probably put on my wall before this one. But thumbs up to the cover, thumbs up to the content, thumbs up to the creature, thumbs up all the way around for Future State Swamp Thing number one by Ram V, the artist, Mike Perkins. No, Ram V, the writer, <laughs> Mike Perkins, the artist, and June Chung, the colorist, and Aditya Bidikar, the letterer. Very enjoyable. So, December, January, beginning of January anyway, end of 2020, beginning 2021, very fun for the Swamp Monster fan, which I am. I really enjoyed it. So coming up, we will be talking about the Man-Thing, uh, Curse of the Man-Thing series. We'll be talking about the Swamp Thing 10-issue maxi series. We'll be talking about whatever else comes up in my reading that has to do with Swamp Monsters on the main feed, which this podcast goes out both in a Swamp Things specific feed and also goes out in the main comic book time machine feed and that feed will be just be continuing doing what we do when we can do it um i'm starting a new project with uh with frank miller's batman stuff really excited about that um that's just me just wanting to dig into the comics of a genius Sometimes at his best and sometimes at what people might even say is his worst. Uh, but just digging into that and, and just taking a look at what is going on with that. He's he's an artist and a writer who has inspired me to hopefully, I, I would say, do better things in my own work because of just the inspiration of seeing a, a master at work. But then I also know some of the stuff that's in there is, is not a master at work. And so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But anyway, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me here in the swamp. Uh, if you have any feedback you want to give about the podcast, you can send that to feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com. But you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, I tend to post just the covers of some of the comic books that I've been reading. On Facebook, I also end up posting articles related to comic books that I like and news that's big news for the industry sometimes you know but really mostly it's it's to uh, talk about when when a new episode has come out so again thank you so much for listening thank you so much for spending time with me talking about comic books that i enjoy hopefully even if you don't enjoy swamp monsters you're hopefully going to enjoy hearing someone talk about comics that he enjoys uh and so i just want to say thanks for listening again and until next time Godspeed. <laughs>